Welcome to the Cheeky Investor Podcast. This week, Gareth and I are super excited uh, to have our guest on, former executive at Virgin, uh, invested in plenty of startups, successful entrepreneur in his own right. Brad Rosser is with us. Brad, thanks for uh, joining our podcast and uh, entertaining our listeners for uh, 40 minutes or so. No problem at all. It's a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so <Awesome. laughs> it, it was a really brief introduction. You've got extensive kind of uh, experience. You know, um, you're talking about chairperson of startup at the moment. You've worked with Branson, worked with Bond, uh, done some management consulting. Um, let's wind things back to sort of the start of things. How, how did it all kick off from, mm-hmm. um, you know, graduating sort of masters, I believe, in WA? Is that where you... Uh, yeah, it sort of all kicked off, funny enough, by um, I did... Uh... I, I did an honours degree at University of Western Australia and then I won a um, scholarship and that scholarship was written up in the local West Australian paper yeah. and Alan Bond read it and Alan Bond rang me. Um, funny story, I thought he rang me, but I thought it was a, a mate, it was a Friday afternoon, I thought it was just a friend mucking around and, um, uh, and, and just going to get to the point of what we were going to do that night or whatever. Um, it ended up being him. And then uh, I went and saw him and he said, I see you've won a scholarship. You're going to study for a while. We'll put a bit more in because the scholarship didn't quite cover the, it covered the tuition, but not the living costs. Um, and so I went and studied for a couple of years under Bond, under the with Bond and the scholarship. And that, uh, under the agreement that I come back and work for Bond for a couple of years, at least. Um, so I did that yeah, out of Perth. Uh, moved around Australia and the world with Bond. And that very much corporate finance and that sort of uh, stuff. I worked directly for the managing director and then Alan in the end. That's nuts. Um, it's insane, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> it's you know, sort of so right here. Yeah, one little article, mate. I, I mean, it's just funny, isn't it? Just Alan had to be there. So yeah. When Bond went all sort of um, south, I went to join McKinsey in London. Hmm. Uh, the consulting firms. I thought I'd be there for a few years, but then I got hunted, headhunted to be the corporate development director at Virgin, which was basically in charge of the brand and in charge of new projects or new businesses. Mm. And what Virgin did was start up. So it didn't license the brand. It just started the brand new business, whatever that was, whether it was the gyms or healthcare or whatever. It got a new managing director, new marketing guy, new everything. It was a standalone business. Mm-hmm. And that, and, but we nursed them along in the early days until they looked after themselves. So um, we did a bit of corporate finance, like the selling of Virgin Atlantic, or 50% of it, Singapore Airlines. But it was mainly my job was to do the startups, which was great because I worked directly for Richard and from his house in those days, his home, which was a, a massive thing in Holland Park. Mm. And uh, Did, so that did was you get fun. to his canal, Brad? Doesn't he have a canal boat? Or did he? Yeah, yes, he that's does. Probably... Yeah, he does. He does. He does have one there, uh, not far away, Notting Hill or that, yeah, sort of and, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Got that. Lucky enough to go to Necker Island a few times as well. So <laughs> okay, couldn't complain. So that was pretty. That was interesting, wasn't it? And then you know, got got that under all of that sort of under my belt, and then thought, well, if I I really wanted to do things for myself, if I could, yeah. Um, so I thought, if anything, that's a good time to nick off and, you know, I can always fall back on my education and my experience and get a job if I can't have to. <laughs> so I, um, I went out and started trying to do things for myself and I, I got involved in a self-chilling can, which we sold mm. to Heineken. I got involved in a property business. And my end is always the marketing, branding, selling, building the team, strategy sort of side. 
not particularly operational. Um, and, and, and that's still my thing. And so I've always looking for partners and all that when I start something up or mm. I'm, I'm the sort of guy that's got to look at it and how do you grow it? It could be organic, could be licensing, it could be joint ventures, could be anything, but that's sort of my job. And as things grow, the way to grow things um, changes. Yep, from you know doing your own marketing then to doing maybe partnerships and all that sort of stuff or, or international expansion or or whatever so that and that's where it's led me today so that's that's been fun no the lockdown's not much fun but um uh but but the journey's been a great one it's been wow uh, i've been really uh really lucky well uh, yeah i think you've your cv is incredible really to be honest um and it it does reading through we were just speaking beforehand brad i was sort of saying oh, like i've got all these questions but they're also varied because there's been so many parts of what you've done yeah. <laughs> um you know i suppose just to sort of kick off from my perspective I'm, I'm quite interested in um you started in a more corporate sort of world and then you got into the sort of startup scene and i suppose you know, to me and to love you, they'd be quite different in terms of the cultures. Was startup something you were always interested in or was it just as a result of taking the virgin job that you got into startups and realized you liked them? Yeah, I was always very uh, risk-taking and I like to do things for myself and, and um, not great at politics, speak my mind sort of person, like to get on with it. So I wasn't ideally suited to a corporate world. So... So I always had in the back of my mind, it wasn't necessarily startups. I didn't know what. I just had in the mm. back of my mind, I'd do something different, something a bit more risky, something um, that was fun. And, you know, Bond was very entrepreneurial. Virgin was very entrepreneurial. Mm. McKinsey was the exact opposite. So that was cough mixture. Yep. Um, but great <laughs> learning experience. But yeah. that was, you know, um, so I, I figured I would do something. But startups for me, was was as you say was because of Virgin because that's how they did their new new business so yeah, sure. that's where I sort of got my apprenticeship and in, in what a good startup what a new business you know what what we're looking for and how we try to grow that you know um, obviously when we at Virgin you had the strength of the brand which brought yeah. in a lot of customers from day one but still yeah. sort of sales went like that and then they could level out and that was when the job was you know so we had lots and lots of early adopters but you still had to take it from there. You know, so yeah, I think it was a virgin thing that that um, uh, encouraged me into the startup entrepreneurial part of it. Cool. So what went down at, at Virgin? Did people come and pitch like we see on Shark Tank? Is that, is that how? Yeah, yeah, all the time. It was, you know, it's sort of for me. I, I knew of Virgin, obviously, but this is a. a a, a, a little while ago. By the way, I've got birds in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> I wonder um, what that. I thought the fire alarm was yeah, going yeah, off yeah. or something. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> sitting in the background whistling. But um, <laughs> the um, and I hate it when you sort of get on phones and things. Um, <laughs> birds hate it when you're not paying attention to them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> um, but it's sort of um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But. Um, just in terms yeah, of that it, it, style. yeah. How, how do the businesses get pitched? Yeah. Yeah, Shark Tank. That's right. Sorry. So it was sort of, um, it was very much like that. I didn't realize how strong Virgin was as a brand in the UK, particularly in those days, because this mm. was in the 90s. And this mm. is a fun time at Virgin, because I've only done the music and airline at that point. Yeah. So, and Richard said, listen, I just want to do lots and lots and lots and lots of things very aggressively, you know. Um, so, but he was being pitched all the time. We would get at least 50 to 100 letters a week. 
of people pitching business ideas, you know? So it was a combination of us thinking about what we think we should do, you know, talking with Richard and thinking about markets and what was growing and not growing and, 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 and what fitted with the brand versus people turning up with these ideas. And sometimes things we were thinking of were the same as what people turned up. And if they had good management experience and were in, experts in the industry, then it could end up being a good partnership where we, we, we would bring them in and we would try and make that pro project, as we call it, make that project work and see how we went. Sure. You know, so... Um, with, with the um, expertise and, um, yeah, the, the management experience, is, is it formal that you were looking for? Was it an MBA plus 10 years executive experience or mm. was there a... Well, in, in, uh, there's the people we bring into the companies. No, the, the, uh, uh, the startups you're investing in, how you said you'd look at um, if they had a good sort of team and, and the idea would fit with the brand. Um, yeah. Well, oh, no, I didn't. No, both are burgeoning for my own projects. I take a different view. I mean, obviously, if, you're, if you need a pilot, if the pilot's got to have a pilot's licence or you could be in trouble. <laughs> but in general, we're looking for attitude. Um, and, and because a lot of startups in the early days, as long as you've got a decent idea, it's very much around, um, tenacity, never give up idea generation, thinking outside the box. So it's those sorts of things we're looking for. That person had an MBA. Great. If they didn't, so what, you know, if they've been to uni or not, didn't, I didn't care. Um, if they had some industry experience in that, obviously that was, we, we needed that, but, but it was more the person that we're dealing with. You know, when Richard hired me, he'd heard of Bond and had met Alan Bond and he was like that. He had no idea who McKinsey and co were. Yeah, right. firm, and that's one of the largest, most prestigious companies in the world. So I was at, I mean, it didn't say anything, but it sort of, <laughs> that, was a, that was an eye opener for me when it thought, well, he has no idea, but he, he doesn't even, he hadn't even really read my CV. So, he was just trying to suss me out and see whether what sort of person I was. And I started to use that myself. So it's more, unless there's a particular expertise needed, I'm very interested in the attitude. Okay. And, just, and uh, just to, sorry, just to drill down slightly in that, because this always really interests me when people say, oh, you know, there's, you know, you get a sense from someone, you're maybe not looking at that sort of criteria. So and I assume you're applying a similar um, sort of, sort of system with BSF group in the sense that um, what you're looking for is, is you say tenacity. How, uh, how is that shown in a startup? I mean, are you, so if we take the, the, the shark's den, um, uh, the dragon's den, sorry, the shark tank approach. Um, I mean, they get absolutely drilled on um, everything from, you know, how much money are they taking out of the business to, you know, have they put their house on the line or whatever. Is that the kind of stuff you're looking for? Or is it more about the personality? Can you tell from someone pretty quickly if there's someone that has the drive to really push through and succeed in the business? I think the shark tank and things like that is just, you know, some good TV, isn't it? You know, um, and yeah. I think some of those questions are relevant and some aren't. If they have put their house on the line and things like that, obviously, you like to feel people are committed and they do that, they're committed. But really, I, I find those shows just good TV. They, they didn't show, they weren't how we dealt it. Did, they're not really how I do it. They're not really how we did it at Virgin. Sure. I think, yes, after a few meetings, we can start to get a feel for the person. And we'll take a risk, right? And we'll be very upfront with someone and say, we think you're good at this. We think you've got the right attitude. But if you're not, we will replace you with someone, you know, we hope you don't, we don't have to replace you. But... Mm. So it was a quite 
a hard atmosphere in the sense that, you know, you couldn't muck around. If people weren't up to the job and you got it wrong, then you would you would look to to address that somehow, you know, sure. early on. So it's more the feel you get for someone. And if you didn't get a feel, take them to dinner and go to dinner and, and meet them a few times until you were, you were sure. But yeah, right. you trust your instincts on that one. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And what's uh, what, what sort of sticks out in terms of projects at Virgin? Some of the pitches. He's, uh, he's had some. Oh, uh, mate, there were some ridiculous ones. So, you know, I mean, we got fifty to hundred letters, and let me tell you, of, of the quality ones, there might have been two or three a week that were really, you know, quality. And you know, I had a few guys working for me, and they were, they loved looking through the letters because you got all sorts from all over the world. It was just, you know, we got a couple of. Welsh guys turn up and uh, they had some, <laughs> they had a sort of drink for, drink for cats and drinks for dogs. But they didn't tell us that. And they wouldn't tell us and they wanted us to sign NDAs and all this. And it turned out it was Meow It and Woof It. That's what they called it. <laughs> and, uh, and they were nice guys. You sold me, Brad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was not one that's going to work for us because, you know, because there is still a little bit of formal analysis you do on the idea. Yeah. So the idea you've got to think about is the industry growing? Who are the competitors? What's special about your idea? And can you make some money out of it? So there's still some technical stuff that goes on, but which is different than the people you get to do it. And you merge the two. And Okay, it's a great idea. Now I need some really go-getters to make that work. And we'll yeah. help them the best way we can. So... Um, but we got lots of crazy ideas and then we got good guys. Like I was very interested in launching uh, a gym business in the UK. I didn't mm. think gyms were very good and America was doing pretty well. And, and I'd seen some gyms, a Nike gym in New York and, and, uh, and, and the UK seemed well behind. So, and then a couple of guys who had been um, in the gym world and done well with a company called living well, um, turned up and said they think we should do Virgin and that was just good. They were good, strong guys yeah. with entrepreneurability. So that was sort of the best situation where someone, you're thinking about it already and they turn up and it's a good good marriage. And Virgin Active ended up being, you know, one of the massive, the 10th massive yeah. Yeah. Uh, gym trains in the world, you know. So um, yeah. started out in sunny Preston, which is like a little town up north to test it out and then then we grew 10 and then we bought another chain, bought a chain in South Africa. So that was sort of a, a great, great journey. So, um, yeah, yeah right. but we've got all, all sorts, you know. And, and can I ask, is there any um, you regret that you look back and you go, oh, I wish we got that? Ones you thought at the time, no, nah, that's not, that's not going to work. But actually turned well, out some, to be a winner. I, I reckon, yeah, you know, probably, although it was the 90s, the one thing I might regret is that we probably didn't jump on technology quick enough. You know, things yep. we take for granted now. Yeah, sure. You know, um, we were still a very hands-on consumer-faced brand. I mm. we touched and felt people and we liked it. And, you know, so gyms, we could be good at service, you know, airline service. So that was one of our cores. But nevertheless, I'm sure we could have got into... Um, uh, a bit more technology-based yeah. businesses. Um, any that we shouldn't have done. Richard was big on doing Virgin Brides, um, which we ended up doing. <laughs> well, he ended he up, loved, the famous photo of him being a Virgin Bride, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that, and I think it was that, and the fact that he, um, 
like the name. He thought the Virgin Bride was just the funniest name in the that world. That is very good. Like like the Virgin Condoms. Yeah, that's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. sort of, so we jumped on that. But that's a really hard industry. It's a cottage industry. It's, it's sort of, you know, so we, we, we opened and had a crack at it for a few years and ended yeah. up closing it down. But, um, you know, we had some fun in the meantime and hopefully uh, did some good weddings and bits and pieces. But, you know, so that's probably not our finest hour. No, no, um, yeah. Um, we, we did, we did some drinks businesses, but we probably didn't do those as well as we could. Virgin Cola and stuff like Mm. that. They did okay, but not great. And, you know, given how good Coke and Pepsi and these sorts of businesses are at marketing, it was a, you know, it's pretty hard, hard, hard Yeah, no, that's right. Very hard to get. That's a bit of a commodity. So it's sort of Mm. like, yeah, okay. Maybe that was, whereas the businesses that really work well for us, like, like the airline, or Virgin Active, they all had a service element attached to them where you could distinguish yourself and have better facilities and better, and, and you could put a lot of ideas in there. Lots of things we take for granted now in gyms weren't around, you know, in the 90s, mm. you know. There weren't so many personal trainers. There weren't so, you know, pools, gyms, the way they, the way they set them out. Lots of things we take for granted now weren't around. So there was lots of ways we could innovate, you know. Sure. Um, plus, plus people started, you know, people started worrying about getting fit and going to gyms. Yep. And so it's always, always easier. You know, I learned this at, Mc, at McKinsey. If, if, if the market's going like that, it's much easier than if it's going like that. Mm. However good your idea is. You can still yeah, make good, sure. you can't make good money without a good idea. But if the market's going up, you're going to, it's going to be easier. Sure. And of that, you mentioned the tech the tech world, have you taken a lot of that ethos into BSF Group in terms of the types of businesses you're operating on? Or are you actually, is there more tech focus given you're sort of more rounded in your experience? I think you can't help but become more tech focused Mm. because of the way the world is. Um, You know, uh, so, but our angle at what I do or BSF does or, or my own businesses, they are very much, still consumer focused um, and my angle is always to grow but if someone comes with the technology then um, <clears throat> then if we think we can commercialize it because often people that come up with the technology don't know how to market it and if you can't market it yes you're not going to get anywhere yeah you know <laughs> um, so that's the question we ask ourselves do we know enough can we market this is there interestingly enough we still ask ourselves the same questions that we ask ourselves at virginals is it Where's the industry going? What are the competitors? You know, is it special? And then we look at that and say, well, how are we going to sell it? Through suppliers or through indirectories or direct or whatever. So my and my part in all that is always a commercialization. How do we how do we grow this sucker? You know, as fast as we can. Sure. So yeah, a bit of both. You know, I've had some yep. I had some gyms yep. in Sydney that went well, had one in um uh, Fox Studios, um, there we, we, you know, so I still, I'm still like being able to touch and feel and, and deal with consumers. Um, and branding's important to us, and I understood brands from the time at Virgin. So, and so the technology side, so it's a bit of both, you know. Mm, sure, get you. Like a minor. <laughs> how's the, um, how's the portfolio management slide going? Is, is it like at Virgin and now is it invest in 25 startups and, you know, 23 will fail and two will get you. Yeah. It's a bit of that. Definitely. 
so you obviously try, you don't want anyone to fail, and, but there is a little bit of luck involved. If you can do everything right, it's a good idea and it looks like good on paper and it's a good team, things can happen, regulations can happen, you know, there's this coronavirus could happen. It, it, you know, it's sort of, all sorts of things can happen which are bad luck and things don't work out. And, you know, I think with startups, it's getting over that hump from idea to new sales, which is all exciting, but, you're chasing that break-even point and where you start to generate a bit of cash. And, and sometimes you get there and sometimes you don't. But, mm. um, yeah, I think the adage was is we used to work, the same as venture capitalists, is four out of ten tend to pay for the six that don't work. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes the one you didn't think was going to work or, or might, might have thought it was a little harder kills it and the one that you love to death dies, you know, and you think, well... Oh, you know, I'm not very smart, am I? You know, so, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, you've got to have your fingers in a few pies. But I think also there's a lot to do with, in startups, the passion for what the people are doing and being open-minded and entrepreneurial and, and, and changing a bit here and there, you know, um, and adapting. And that's one of the things we look for in people. We say, well, this, we've got to be able to change mm. quite quickly in case things aren't working out for us. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it is still that portfolio approach, absolutely. You know, if you think of Virgin, you think of it's in a lot of businesses, but when you think of the ones that were absolutely stand out, it's music, airline, the gyms, a bit of the financial stuff. So, and there's a lot of others carried in there, which were good for the brand, but didn't really make a lot of money. You know, Virgin Music never really made any money. The retail end, the Virgin Megastores, yeah. whereas the Virgin Publishing oh, you know, really? uh, made a lot of money. Wasn't it um, Tubular Bells? Wasn't it Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells? Wasn't that the yeah, one that's that... that's the publishing side. So that's the record Oh, label. that's the publishing side. Yeah, the record label. Yeah, I think that, that sort of saved it Saved it all. I, yeah. I vaguely remember reading in one yeah, biography. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, yeah. This, we, I met him. He's a, he's, he's a lovely guy, but weird as hell, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard he's, he's in France, imagine, isn't he? Yeah, actually, yeah. You can only imagine someone turning up saying i've done a record and it's only got bells on it bells, you know? <laughs> no. i mean and, and look that, that that i think is is <laughs> an awesome story of the the kind of manic sort of risk taking that um yeah. uh, well, I, I Vir think, virgin I do think, you know um, i wasn't around when that happened but richard would talk about it but it's sort of i got a feeling that that was like it shopped it around everywhere no one else was interested uh, Richard said, we haven't got anything to do whatsoever. We've got no bands, anything. We'll give it a go. But the thing that made Tubular Bells is when they promoted it a bit, it became the, one of the songs became the theme for The Exorcist. Oh, and it did, what, yeah. That's why, that's why it took off. And that's yeah, what I'm talking really? about. Like, that little nugget yeah. led to that, which led to this, which led to that. And suddenly you got, and that's, that's the luck side of things, right? Mm. So you couldn't, you know, so... But you have to be out there and opportunistic and you have to be able to grab something. And that's sort of back to the people. We want people like that that realise, oh, my God, there it is. We've got to make that work. That's what yeah, we've sure. been waiting for. That's the little break we need, you know? Yeah, sure. And we seize, seize the day and off we go. Oh, awesome. Um, so you, you, talking about the, the work that you're doing now um, with, with, with startups, um, you talk a lot about sort of being in the trenches and, and sort of really getting, getting involved. I've just got a couple of questions around that, I suppose. Firstly, um, how directly involved are you and your team in, in the startups? Do you become part of their 
their company, their team, or is it still there's a kind of a standoff relationship between the two? Like you mentioned before about, oh, you know, you fall in love with this idea and it doesn't work out. Like, is there this kind of personal attachment to the startups that you're working on? Or are you sort of at a stage now where you're like, there's just too many, I don't really get personally attached. It either works or it doesn't work. No, I, uh, no, we do get personally attached and we do put people in there full time. And some people leave BSF and go there and stay there. And that's one of the attractions of working with us is they're not really looking to be a portfolio. They want to go jump into one. And, sure. um, and, and I, I encourage that. It's great. You know, so we, we don't do hundreds and hundreds. We do as many as we think we can do where we add value. Um, okay. And often I might take a chairman role um, or be the chairman. Uh, we might put some money in or we'll find money for them. But that's not really our thing, but we will do that if we have to. Ours is all about growing and getting the team and so forth. So... We don't do lots and lots and lots, but the ones we do, we try and make work. Because it's always that balance between passion and making it work and, and going 100 miles an hour versus, oh, this is just not going to work. But you don't want to give up easy, mm. you know. Um, and you want to be able to think on your feet. So <clears throat> I'm sort of, my training from Bond and Virgin and McKinsey is all about, for me personally, is all about 80-20. You know, you can get some good ideas out of me quite quickly, but I've never really been an operator per se. So, so I will often, when we grew our property business in the UK, there's a couple of us there, three of us there grew it from a kitchen table in the sales of, say, about 100 million pounds. Mm. You know, we still didn't do anything. We still didn't do the operation. We brought people in, but we would, I would sit with someone, say, marketing, and we an hour together, I go, okay, I think you should do A, B, C, D, and E and do this and set it out like that. Go away and come back tomorrow morning. Let's see what you've done. And so it's a little bit like all the, for me, all the little parts of the business were little, um, were little projects within projects. Um, so that's, so we were hands-on. And if I didn't like a PowerPoint or a pitch presentation, and then on some major customers, I might do the pitch myself, you know, um, and so it just depended on the state of the business. When it's, when it's virtually nothing, it's all hands on deck. And then as it's growing and if it gets, starts making some money and you've got people that can do the business as usual, you'll start worrying about, well, how can I grow this thing and make it even larger? You know? Sure. Um, and then you, look to re then you look to make yourself redundant after a few years, you know? And then mm. you might sell your state. We don't do any, we're not consultants. We get involved and muck in. So we take equity stakes in the business. Or, right. And those are the ones that come to BSF. And some of the other businesses, we just, I come up with the idea myself. We own 100% of it. And off we go sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. And then, sorry, I was just going to ask another part to that. Thank you for that. The other, the other part was then a lot of what we talk about in investing and trading. We talk about the management team and the importance of a good management team. And, um, you know, we, we've done a lot of sort of chat and a lot of different things around IPOs and, and, you know, startups that are launching and the importance of that management team in terms of success of the business. How do you, how does BSF, how do you manage that relationship with, the owner of a startup again going back to the fact a lot of startups you know they're someone's baby they might have been holding that carrying that baby for five six years um mm. and they could be a little bit precious about you know someone coming in going no you haven't been doing that right like what you know we need yeah, to sort yeah. this out like yeah, how, how does that the, relationship yeah work really good that's a very good question you know it's sort of and one of the key criteria we had a version hiring people or even now with me is what is the personality of that person <clears throat> can they 
are they a partnership type person or are they or are they the sort of person who'd rather sink but do it their way if i get the slightest inkling that they're uh, stubborn too stubborn and won't see open their mind to change and bringing expertise in then i won't deal with them mm. it doesn't matter how good the idea is we just say i know that this is destined for disaster somewhere and we'll put in a lot of work and something's going something's just not going to work however if someone comes in and says listen we're open-minded we come up with a sort of equity stake that we're happy with you know put money in or expertise or whatever and it's chunky in its early stage then and we feel that the fact that they love it we love it but we also see them open-minded and open to sharing then then we'll deal with them. So that's one of our critical criteria when we're dealing with people. How, are, how open are they? How partnership-driven are they? Do they like partners or are they a lone wolf? You know, the lone wolf, sometimes successful, sometimes not, but probably is not someone that's easy to work with. Sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Well, I think it's interesting that you talk about that, um, I guess, the management and, and sort of the founder, because the biggest companies in the world, like at the moment, like um, Facebook's got Zuckerberg, we've got the... Up until recently, the founders of Google were kind of there driving it. They've all got that founder with those that sort of mentality. Even Elon Musk, who doesn't seem um, quite coachable, um, reading his book, he actually absorbs a lot of information from the people around him. Um, he's one of those people that, that fit into that. So that's, um, yeah, it's probably no coincidence that even from that startup phase up to, you know, that trillion dollar company valuation, that, that individual still, yeah, makes that massive sort of difference. And, they know. make a massive difference, but the smart ones redefine their role as it goes along. And so, you know, there's an old adage that if an entrepreneur is still around in the same old business, he's going to destroy it somehow by tinkering because the manager, there's too many people and he's trying <laughs> to talk to everyone at the same time. But the really clever ones go, well, that seems under control. So why don't we go and start a new division doing this? And that'll, that's what I'll do. And if they need help with this part, I'm always around, you know? Um, and so they redefine their roles as they go along. And that's the smart ones. I mean, Richard Branson is one of the most brilliant entrepreneurs you can come across, but he's not an operator at all, right? He's mm. never, doesn't do meetings. He doesn't do board meetings. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He just comes up with ideas and he backs people with his brand and the idea and he gets the help, but very hands off, you know? So, um, it's sort of, you know, that's what I learned, you know, it's sort of, and when people are very hands-on or too dogmatic about stuff, then things can go wrong eventually, you know? Um, and in a way, Alan Bond was an example of that, who was probably a bit too hands-on in some things. And, and there's a bunch of reasons why things didn't work out for him at Bond Corp. But mm. one of them was he was quite dogmatic about stuff, you know, um, and forced his ideas through. So, you know, you've got to just get that balance right. And, it's interesting what makes them successful in the first part can be the thing that brings them unstuck, you know. Mm. Um, but those guys that you've mentioned, they, they, they I noticed they, they find a way to reinvent themselves as they go along, redefine their role in the business. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah, right. Just, just, just on that, we're talking about the difference of the heads of companies. Um, we're a lot, a lot of the world, we're very interested in traits and habits and things. There's lots of books about it. Is there anything you picked up um, across the board or different traits from <clears throat> the various very successful entrepreneurs that you've you've worked with um, that you have actually replicated 
in your own business. So not so much about the systems of the processes, but actually things they do like Branson always has a pad. I think he's always says you should always have a pad and a pen. If you have an idea, you write it down. Otherwise you'll forget it. Like things like that. Like, is there anything like that where you picked up and said, Oh, that's actually a really good sort of habit that I should be doing. Yeah. I think probably in the early days, I was a couple of things. There's one is on the behavioral side is probably from my ex McKinsey days, quite, quite controlling, a little bit too controlling and wanting to be, understand everything. Um, and I learned very quickly, you just can't do that to start up. Well, you should let people pick the right person and let them get on with it and coach them and let them come to you rather than the other way around. So there was that. There was definitely <clears throat> another thing I learned at Virgin was, you know, it, they didn't care where the idea came from to grow it or the idea. It's just, they just wanted ideas from anywhere, you know? Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, whether it was a cab driver to the management, to whomever, you know? They would orientate. I think the couple of things I learned from Virgin and the others was, you know, the, Richard always did walk around with his notebook, probably still does. So that's true. Um, I sort of text myself sometimes. Um, so I've got a sort of notebook as that's well. Good. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I tried to do yeah. the dictaphone thing and it never worked, but yeah. No, I just text myself and go, duh, 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 so that, that's and so not a bad idea. Good. Yeah. You know, I must uh, tell Peter that about this guy I've just met or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what they were very clever about was they, they forwarded the business. You might be having a problem with this part, but mm. they forwarded everything and they just assumed that that would work itself out eventually. And it probably mm. does. The success yeah, right. And he would sit back and go, today I'm just going to get these couple of things done. And then he would make sure he got them done. You know, so they were quite realistic about what timetables and all this sort of mm. stuff would work. You know? That's good. That's yeah. the virgin mentality. That's, that's what I'm used to. So that's what I learned. But you observe yeah. places like News Corporation and other businesses are very hard-nosed and, and uh, had quite a different philosophy, but still very, very successful. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. you know, it, 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 it depends. So there's no yeah. like uh, waking up at 5am to do an hour of meditation. <laughs> goals for the day none of that <laughs> I'm sure there are some people that do that and I read a lot about how the, uh, they do this and that but that's never been my thing mate um, I quite like my sleep I've always figured you know, sleep is good for you so I want to get 8 hours you know um, and I, I've got it as I said I'm very much an 80-20 guy so I've got a shortish attention span yeah but when I focus, I can get out some good ideas that hopefully others have, can run with, you know, um, and then I'll move on. So I, that's why I like to work on a number of projects, but not too many. Don't wear yourself too thin. But, but sort of, and that's, you know, McKinsey, you worked on a number of projects. At Bond, you did. At Virgin, you did. So that's always been my, the way I've worked, you know. Um, so I can't really tie my shoelaces very well, but, you know, um, probably falling over all the time, but, you know, coming up with some left field ideas. And that's something in startups, you know, it's the ideas and the idea generation which often make the difference yeah. between success and failure. And why not? The other thing I should have learned, I should have said at Virgin that they learned was, <coughs> why not? That's, that's what we yeah. always ask. Why not? Why can't, you know, just because it's done that way. Yeah. You know, why not? Why can't we ask? Why can't Richard's cheeky, right? So he'll go and ask any, if he wants to further his business, he'll go, he's famous now, so he can probably talk to anyone. But when he started out, he'd still go and ask anyone, anything. 
you know, didn't matter whether it was Sir so-and-so or the king or the queen or whatever. He had no problem trying to reach out and get whatever help he could and ask anyone, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm probably not as cheeky as him, but, you know. <laughs> oh, too funny. Well, um, yeah, thanks for dropping by. I'm just going to give um, your book you gave me. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have a read. It's a brilliant name. Better, stronger, faster. Build it, scale it, flog it. Yeah. Love so it. I got someone to... Uh, I came up with the better, stronger, faster, and then a friend came up and said the flogger. And then, funny enough, I got a few people to... I got a professor at Stanford and, and um, like UWA to read it for me. And, and they weren't so happy about the flogger part, you know. But yeah. the... I said, well, let's sell it. You know, don't worry about it. And then the, the uh, publisher said, no, no, we don't mind that. No, so I wasn't no that's cool. We love it. Don't hang on too long. You know, don't hang on too long. No, that's good. It's snappy. I like it. We'll, we'll put a link just to say to everyone listening, we'll put a link um, in the podcast description for anyone that's interested in looking at that book um, and purchasing yeah. that book. Um, yeah. There'll be a link in if our, wanna, in our description. If anyone has good ideas, wants to reach out to me, brad at bradrosser.com. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put a link in Gray. We'll put a link in our description as well. Um, I know yeah, you're very right. open on your website as well, uh, BSF Group, yeah. for saying any yeah. businesses. Um, just before we go, just I just want to get a quick, this probably won't be quick, I'm sorry, but uh, the finance yeah. side is something we haven't really talked about. And I yeah. think that's quite an important side, both for what we're doing in terms of the looking at businesses and investing and obviously what you're doing now, Brad, with your business. Um, so we've spoken about how you build up startups, but then you also actually get finance to really push them forward as briefly as, as possible, because I'm sure you're busy. We don't want to keep you time. But how does that process work in terms of um, getting finance for businesses? I mean, are you do you have banks ready? Do you have sources that you can sort of tap and say, hey, I've got this great idea and they give money? Or is there this quite big process you need to go through to get that? Yes, it depends on the industry. I do have uh, people that will invest behind us um, at the angel level, you know, and often the, the early stages are the hardest. <clears throat> you get that investing stage where you get two or three million, you need that, that can be tricky. And then when it's a bigger amount, Often that's the easiest amount. So we have got yeah, right. people in contact and all that. You still got to follow a process. You still got to put your begging bowl out and all that sort of stuff. Um, but over the years, we've got to understand what different sorts of uh, returns people want, what they're looking for, what industries they like. So we just go to the people that we think <coughs> we've made money for before that will like it again. Sure. Um, in Australia, it's slightly different. You, you, there's a tendency to put startups on the public markets quite quickly. Okay. Yeah. In the UK, it, they will depend more on angels and venture capitalists before going public. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are rules and regulations and, and tax incentives for why that's the case. Uh, with super funds and so forth, I understand mm -hmm. why. Sometimes I feel some business go a bit early. But, um, and we've done, you know, in Australia with XREF, we've done, raised about 15 or million dollars or more with three or four million dollar cap rate, no, max 20 million actually. So we've got three or four raises. So we know how to get to into the institutional funds too if we have to, you know? Sure, yep. So it's a second to see, you, you, you'll so know. It is a process though. Yeah, it is a process. <laughs> you know, you've still yeah, got to see no, your business course. plans. You've got to pitch yep. up in your nice suit. You've got to, you know, you've got to do it. But it's sort of, it's just horses for courses and they want to see mm. what risk on, on the early doors are you taking Maybe Sorry, on. Brad, we lost you there. Give it a bit of time. Yeah. 
um, you may have to just going through that kind of process to start up around to. Isn't it funny though? It's it's harder to get two hundred fifty thousand at the start than it is to get. I know. I'm all. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, it's like you get to that stage where, um, yeah, the, the people are happier to give you to give you money. I think that's that's quite interesting actually and it's, that's kind of relevant to what we're looking at because you know uh, it might make you think twice about s small companies that are looking to get that money hey brad sorry we we're just chatting while you, sorry, you that, said that, it that, no no that's okay me. you've done it, it's it's you were saying about the sound at the beginning but it's all it's been very good so far besides the birds but yeah but yeah no we were just saying it's funny how you were saying it's it's easier um in some cases to get you know Big, big bucks than it is to get a couple of mil for for right, a company it yeah right. it's funny how the world yeah. works yeah yeah anyway well guys well thanks very much reach out anytime you like that was fun and no, awesome uh, thanks Brad. and all that sort of stuff so uh i'll shoot off and uh thanks very much thank okay. you very much for, for being on brad yeah much appreciated cheers guys yes right. cheers yeah. see it so um yeah, look, thank you all for listening. We hope you got some value. Man, I did. That was really, really interesting, Phil. Awesome. Like, to talk to people that are just very down-to-earth but involved in some serious, serious plays and serious players. How about how it kicked off? That article that was in the paper that Alan Bob read on a Friday night. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. But look, it's it's interesting. His background, he he, say, he mentioned the scholarship, but he, he actually was, he came first in his class, I think, in university. I think he's, he's a very bright guy, but it's amazing just how that one event changed everything for him, I'm assuming. You know, he went from Bond and then went up. Obviously, he's very... Um, and you just get that from him. He's very passionate. He's very driven. Um, but isn't it amazing how that one thing could do it? And all the different people that he's been involved in. And he's just a very sort of cool guy about it. Um, I have to say, for me, I got a huge amount out of that. Just in terms of approach to life. Never mind anything else. Um, but, but also, it was interesting to get a background on the startup sort of scene and culture. Um, and how that actually works in reality. Well, it's good. That's, that's how all companies start. You know, yeah. Same whether no, it's that's Facebook, right. Facebook, yeah. Google, yep. all startups at one stage. So. That's right. All going through that process exactly. And you know, I, I mean, I, the 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 likes of those companies generally did get help help to sort of push forward and become what they are, um, both in terms of investing um, and in terms of assistance from mentors and various things. So that's right. It's the lone wolf thing. You know, isn't generally. I mean, maybe Elon Musk, probably not even. I mean, he joined with PayPal um, when he had his, his company back in the 90s. So, um, yeah, look, awesome. Um, so, yeah, we, we hope you massively enjoyed it. We're slightly over a normal half hour, but I think it was well worth us doing that. I don't know about you, Phil. Um, and, yeah, look, thank you for listening. What we'll do is we'll drop a link for the book in the description and for his company, if there is startups out there. It's one um, of the best business books I've read. Um, yep. easily top three and and from an investing point of view because it's a roadmap it's actually like a um a step-by-step -step process you can kind of reverse engineer it and use it as a bit of a um, checklist for investing in companies so even when they're starting out it says here you know you want to spend more of your money in um, marketing than you do kind of the infrastructure because that's going to have the biggest bigger uh, biggest bang for buck so yeah right if you're investing in an ipo and they put out their prospectus go to their um projections and see if they're spending money on marketing or whether it's just yeah. towards IT infrastructure or other, you know, stuff that's not going to bring it back. So 
absolutely cool. jump on and get that if you if you can. Awesome. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent. Um and uh yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. I don't have any sort of final comments. I think you, everything was covered and yeah, it's just yeah. awesome, awesome value. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Facebook, Cheeky Investor. Uh, we've also got our website, cheekyinvestor.com. Uh, we are always interested in hearing from you and getting reviews in anything, any content. If you've got any questions, just get onto Facebook, shoot them to Phil. He's happy to answer. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening and we will check you out next week. <laughs>